Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, solar master, vineyard, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to do your part, too. More friendly. From coast to coast. Around the world. No, we really have some people on Welcome to the show. Hey. Uh, Buses arriving, doors open. There we go. There we go. Thank you, people. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. We are there. Welcome to the show, folks. Yeah. Uh, That's all I have. That's all we have now. Yeah, he's standing by. Our guest is standing by, but hang on, we'll bring him on in a couple of minutes. Or she, you know, we just got to cover our our basic openings here. Uh, number one, this is January the twenty first, twenty twenty one. If you're listening at any other time, well, seven o'clock. I forgot that that Eastern time. If you're listening at any other time, then you are listening to recording. So don't contact us. But tonight, you can. And if you have any questions for our guest uh, during the show, I'm sure he'd be happy to address them. All you need to do is email us. Mike will check the email, pass it on to us, and we will get you answered right here, right now. So it's as yeah. simple as that. Go to the chat box. Uh, visit us on the chat box on uh, Blog Talk Radio, um, as I'm standing by there on the on the chat box, or on chat on Facebook or on Twitch, yeah, any one of those three. Uh, or email like a Ryan, like a Ron said. <laughs> I said Ryan. But yeah, chat with us that way. Yeah, yeah. So either way, you can get in touch with us if you have any any comments. Only within the next hour or so, though, because we are live right now. Any other time, it will be on recording, and you won't be able to talk to us. So it's as right. simple as that. Uh, Let's see what else. There was another topic. Oh, our guest last week, Cap, had me on as a guest panelist to a a panel he had. We recorded it yesterday. It'll be coming up. You can go to. I'll let Mike spell this for me. Kaplowitz. Dot X Y Z. That's K A P L O W I T Z. Dot XYZ, and it will redirect you to his Blogspot um, website. So don't get you know crazy about it, like, oh my God, what is it doing? But uh, it'll take you there, and there's a whole listing of uh, articles, and and uh, it's, it's a blog, and and uh, very very well done. So uh, check it out. Um, and I was a guest on his sorry. show last night, mm-hmm. and so that'll be coming up. So if you get tired of hearing me here. You can hear us. We had a panel discussion on cigars and taxes and cigars and stuff. And then that's being followed with a uh, conversation with a distributor. And then tomorrow I am doing another 
interview, a one-on-one with him, exchange thing. He was here. So if you want to hear that, again, XYZ. So I just, you know, give a plug for him and for me being on something else and all that. So, all right, we have a guest tonight, uh, Ryan Sullivan, uh, the Flying Psalm is what uh, he was introduced to me as. He is an airline pilot and a certified sommelier. So without further ado, and since he's sitting there listening to everything we say, why don't we bring him on and let him respond to some stuff? Hello, Ryan. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ron. How are you? Thanks for having me. I was looking forward to it, really. Uh, So you, you... fly airplanes and you drink wine uh yeah hopefully so i call my i call myself the flying some airline pilot by day and sommelier by night but uh i, I i'm gonna say it right off the bat because i get the joke all the time they say you don't drink and fly do you <laughs> and obviously <laughs> i do not yeah, obviously you do not. yes that uh oh i i have some questions that uh i was has been burning my mind ever since number one and if you don't mind my asking, how old are you? Of course. Uh, 34. 34? So you're young. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm, I'm young and hungry and ambitious, I guess you could say. <laughs> you know, really. I mean, I just, uh, for some reason, I pictured you to be older. I mean, 34, that is, that is young. And uh, the airline, what, where is it located and, and what? Where do you fly? I think it's a Canadian line, is it? Yeah, so the airline I work for is called Porter Airlines. We're based out of the Toronto Billy Bishop Airport. Think of it uh-huh. as like Chicago Megsfield used to be. It was, it's like right, when I say right on the waterfront, I mean right on the waterfront. Um, you <laughs> land and you can you can walk to downtown Toronto. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. So we're based in Toronto, but we fly to New York. We fly to Chicago. We fly to Washington. And believe it or not, we also flew to um, Orlando as well. Oh, wow. So I don't think we're flying. The the airplane is uh, the Dash 8 Q400, so it fits about 74, 78 seats, and I'm a captain on the Dash 8. Very cool. That's a twin-engine prop, I think it is, if I remember correctly. Isn't that the twin-engine prop? Yeah, it's a twin engine, uh, yeah, so it's, it's actually a, it's called a turboprop because it's a jet engine that powers a propeller. But you're right, it is a prop yeah. plane. Cool. Wow. Mike wow. is really into airplanes, Ryan. So that's why, you know, he he's a big air fan <laughs> as far as airplanes and all that stuff. So, you know, he can probably spend the next 15, 20 minutes or hour talking to you about the plane. So. When you're I'm on approach, do a separate... uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. go ahead, Mike. <laughs> no, I, was, I was just throwing that out there. I like, so when you're on approach to Orlando, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right. Oh, gosh. I just, uh, so, so that so, Ryan, you fly to all those <laughs> cities you just mentioned then? Yeah, I fly there. I fly uh, Halifax, and I fly domestically, of course, Ottawa, Montreal, uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia. We also fly to Thunder Bay, Ontario. So it's kind of like the Northeast oh. corridor. We we fly to um, 
Yeah, kind of the northeast, like Chicago and Thunder Bay as far east as Newfoundland and then as far south as uh, typically uh, Newark and uh, Chicago and Washington. But we do get down for, I believe, just around the holiday season uh, down south, at least to, to Orlando. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of like a regional carrier. Uh-huh. And you're, uh, you're saying something, Mike? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm oh. mute, mute my mic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, so when you go to these places, obviously you just don't fly there and come back. You're you're overnight and all that. Do you get a chance in all these different places to try wine, or are you pretty much tied up and you can't drink for 24 hours before you fly and stuff like that? So the rules with Transport Canada here in uh, Canada, it's 12 hours, as as we like to say, bottle to throttle. So you can't drink anything within twelve, anything within twelve hours. But um, that's also that's also implying like a glass of wine or two with dinner. You know, not not like you're going out on a night on the town. Um, so our layovers are typically shorter. So it, I'm, uh, it's possible I can have a glass or two with dinner, but it's pretty limited to that. It's it's not like I can kind of go to an afternoon of of heavy wine tasting because that can that can kind of catch up with you uh, subtly. So you have to just be very careful balancing those two. Yeah, well, I can imagine, yeah. And especially if you don't have very long layovers, it just sort of limits you on that. That's, Absolutely, that's sort, of, yeah. sort of sad, too, that you're in all these great cities and you're limited on the wines you can try and, and discover. So, yeah. I, I, uh, I love North Boston, uh, the little uh, Italian section there. Uh, uh-huh. You know, we, when our crews would lay over, we'd have, you know, some fabulous um, Italian, um, you know, like a blend of Italy meets Boston with kind of the seafood meets <laughs> Italian. Have a glass of wine or two. It's delicious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. And and Italians are uh, so free, so open with their wines. Yeah. It just, it's just amazing. I When I had the winery, I people from Boston used to come in and it was like, you know, the areas there you walk up and my grandpa used to make wine and he'd invite everybody in and the guy next door made wine and he'd invite everybody in and all that. And it's just that they're big wine drinkers and they love to share it. So it's, it's, uh, my, my secret favorite wine is, uh, I love, I've been kind of on an Italian kick for the past five years or so. Um, any, any, I mean, I mean, you give me an Italian meal and Italian wine and I just can't, I just don't think you can go wrong. I mean, when was the last time you had a poor Italian dinner? Um, it's just hard to screw up. I think it's just, you know, classic, simple ingredients, good wine, and you're in for a good time every time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I love Italian wines, too. I My favorite, and I'll, I'll go first, then you get to, but my favorite <laughs> is is a Barbera. I just okay. r- yeah. really like an Italian Barbera. I fell in love with Barberas years and years ago in California. And uh, I just, I've always enjoyed Barberas. And they're not well-known, and they're not, drank a lot and you know we there's some domestic barbaras that are very very good but a nice italian barbara and a a good italian dish a, a good thick lasagna oh my gosh i'm in heaven there 
right? Like the Italians definitely know how to do something right. And at least when it comes to food and wine, uh, oh, they've yeah. got that nailed down. Yeah. So I told mine at your turn. Favorite Italian wine? Uh, honestly, favorite Italian wine, I would probably be torn between Brunello or Barolo. Um, you know, Barolo, of course, uh-huh. from Piemonte, and Brunello de Montalcino from the town of Montalcino in Tuscany. If I were to pick, honestly, because I think I like Tuscan cuisine a little better, I would probably go with a Brunello de Montalcino and like a Bistecca alla Fiorentina, you know, the big Tuscan steak. And oh, I yeah. I would say that, that, could, that could be my last meal. I'd be, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I just uh, the good choices there, very good choices. I, I just, I lean toward that Barbera though. You, you, you get stuck on that, and I have, and I've had lots of other Italian wines, but I just, you know, it's, uh, I can wax poetic for almost a whole hour here on Barberas, but I won't because everyone will get bored. I always suggest people try the Barbera, though, whenever anybody says, you suggest a wine, I say, try a Barbera. You know, that's, that's going to be something that you'll find interesting. So how did you, or why did you, decide to go through the trials and tribulations of becoming a certified sommelier? Uh, good question. I'm not too sure. <laughs> uh, truth be told. Um, I'll be honest, uh, Ron. Um, my goal in life was always to. This was, if you said, uh, Ryan, describe your your ideal dream life, and I would say this: it would be flying over to Rome, flying over to Paris, flying over to Bordeaux, you know, or Milan, going out for having a 36-hour layover, have an amazing meal, an amazing bottle of wine throw a few bottles in my suitcase, fly back home, and then share them with friends and family. And I would say that would be my ideal. Life. Um, and obviously flying to Newark and Boston is great, but it's not Milan and Paris. Um, right. So, so uh-huh. you know, I kind of just took, I felt like my career was kind of leveling out, plateauing per se. And uh, although I'm, I'm very happy with my work-life balance that I have uh, because of my seniority, you know, I always dreamed of something a little bit more. And, uh, you know, while swirling a glass of wine, I said, what could I have as a little side business? You know, real estate, maybe personal finance. And literally while swirling a glass of wine, I said, wouldn't it be cool if I could turn this into a small business of some kind? And that kind <laughs> of started my long road to certification. And I understand from talking to others who have taken the test and gone through all the trials and tribulations that become insomnia, it is not an easy task. It is a long road. Uh, did you uh, at any time decide that it wasn't worth aggravation, or were you just stubborn and pigheaded enough to go all the way through? Uh, <laughs> I'd say a bit of both. A bit of both, Rod. Um, I'll be honest. I took wines one. So my, how, what I did is I went to the local college here in Toronto, George Brown College, and I took wines one, which is like kind of wines 101, an introductory class. Mm-hmm. And I kind of walked in thinking, I've been drinking wine and reading wine books for five, ten years now. I'm probably going to sail through wines 101, you know, because <laughs> I've been drinking wine five or ten years, or so I thought. Yeah. And and when we get in there and, and the instructor starts talking about this soil composition in Bordeaux, left bank versus right bank, and I was like, well, what? I bank at a bank, but I don't recognize <laughs> this at all. Banks. 
Yeah. And, and it was at that moment I said, you know what? Wines one was enough for me. You know, I'm, I'm happy with that. And then, of course, a year went by. It was January, and I said, you know what? I'll take wines, too. What the hell? You know, it's January, it's February. What else are you going to do? It's only three right. And then I – but I remember saying this, Ron. I said, over my dead body, am I taking the sommelier program? Because I think you have to be nuts to be a sommelier. Um, oh. And then, of course, time went by, and here I am. Yeah. Well, I just – you know, I, I agree with the, the, the first statement. You have to be nuts to go through that program. I mean, it just – uh, and, and especially, well, I suppose you are using it, but just just for, well, let's see. I'm a pilot. I like it. I think I'll become a sommelier just because I like the sound of being called a flying som. I mean, you know, it's just it's a <laughs> lot of hard work to get that certification. I, it's just it's amazing that amount of dedication and hard work. My my hat is off to you, sir, because that is really. Uh, you know, an accomplishment there. We've talked to other sommeliers and, and what the test involves and all that. And it's just, it's just amazing. I do. I do appreciate that. It's like anything in life though. And this is what I've kind of come to learn. People say, you know, could I be a pilot? Could I be a sommelier? I'm like, I think you can be anything you want if you want it bad enough. And, mm. you know, like you said, was it challenging? Did you contemplate dropping out? You know, like, was it worth it? There were moments where I assure you uh, in our program, uh, we lost students. They dropped out because it was too challenging. And mm. there was definitely moments where I questioned, like, what am I act- like? What am I doing? I have a good paying job. Why am I <laughs> providing all of this pain and aggravation in my life? But it's like, it's, this is what I'll say, Ron. If you need to ask me, if you need to ask anyone, should I be a pilot or should I be a sommelier? I think we already know the answer. The answer is no, no. because you either know from your gut that you want to fly airplanes and you know with your gut if you want to get into wine. And although I help people and guide them, my advice, it's, it's like you either want to be a sommelier because you want it that bad or you just want to drink wine with your friends. Either one works. But there's a right. big difference between kicking back with a few friends and getting that that little that little pin to put on your lapel. Uh, big difference. Oh yeah, and and people don't realize the what goes into getting that little pin on the lapel. It's not something you go down to the local pawn shop and buy. I mean, it's it's a lot <laughs> of a lot of work and a lot of uh, uh, you know memorization and tests and all that. It's uh, uh, really is a dedication that you have to, to get through it. And I, uh, but you're forgetting the best part, Ron, we, we get to drink a lot of good wine too. So oh, I mean, it's, a not, lot it's of, not all bad. <laughs> yeah. A lot of good wines and an awful lot of good wines. Uh, you mentioned, you know, your ideal flying over the pond and going to the different countries. Are you open or uh, to, if, you find another job that would do that flying, would you be open to quitting yours and doing that? Or are you that ingrained in Porter Airlines right now? That's a good question. Um, the thing that I love best about my job with Porter is because I'm senior, um, like my schedule is pretty um, cushy, as we would say. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. work weekends. I work uh 
nine to five hours. I never work overnight. I never work crack of dawn. I never work till two in the morning. I have oh my civilized. <laughs> yeah, I have a very civilized yeah. schedule. Yeah. Um, but of course, the moment the moment I would to leave that and and join, say, a, a, a long haul airline and become a junior first officer, because you go from captain down to co-pilot when you kind of upgrade to a different airline. Hmm. Um, it, it would be it would be rough. It would be working weekends, working holidays, working overnight. You know, everyone thinks of of you know how fun it sounds. Oh, laying over in Rome and and then you you know you get to travel around. But it's like. Well, I, I have a lot of friends who work at these airlines, and, you know, this is what happens, Ron. They, they land, they go to sleep, they might wake up and grab a dinner and a, and a glass of wine, and then affect the bed <laughs> in their home the next day. Yeah. So it's, it's, not as, it's not as glamorous as I think some people believe it to be. Um, but, you know, I'll leave it at this. Life is short, and I think until I give it a try – uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm down to roll the dice and see where life life takes me. So sure, yeah. Well, my I, uh, my daughter works for Southwest Airline, and she has uh, I don't know what the term is, but exchange or uh, privileges with other airlines. Do you have that? I mean, if you want to, and you have yourself two weeks, could you jump on another plane and take over? Uh, take it over there to well, Italy or wherever you would like to go. Yeah, that's that's honestly, Ron. Can I tell you truthfully? That is the best reason to join the airline industry in general is the travel benefits. I can hop on a flight. I have deals with uh, Air France, uh, Lufthansa. Like, there's a ton of different. Air- I think we have like sixty sixty different airlines we can fly standby on. I would say, and the rates vary from about 50% off to zero. <laughs> Can you hear yeah. me okay? Yeah, well, there you go. Then so You don't have to find another job flying for an airline. You've got yourself a, a, the perfect schedule, and you can always do your flight and not have to worry about not drinking and flying the plane black. You can just set back and... Let the let the other pilot take care of it for you. Well, very good. So, yeah. Um, so how how long ago did you get your certification for a uh, sommelier? Um, I'm, I have to try to even remember actually, because t- 2020 threw uh, threw me for a bit of a loop. Um, <laughs> I think it was in t- I think it was in 2018 when I graduated. Yeah, 2018. Wow. So pre- so pretty fresh, pretty new. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't been long at all, really. Well, like you say, if you just, you know, you throw out 2020, which everybody basically does, just, you know, don't count it for anything. Uh, and a pilot, how long have you been a pilot? I have been a pilot for a very long time. Um, since I was maybe, um, gosh, I think I got my first job flying at 22, and I'm wow. 34 now, so... Yeah, I've been I've, I've got about eight eight, eight or nine thousand hours, so I've I've got a few hours in this guy. Wow, that's uh, that's exciting. I've always wanted to be. You know, I checked into it when when I was just out of high school, uh, being a pilot, and I'm had the misfortune of being a draftable age and health during the Vietnam conflict, and so therefore. Uh, all my plants were thrown aside because of the military, but uh, I've always always looked 
bike, I could enjoy flying. And so I, I do look up to people who are who are doing that because that's something that I've always envied. Uh, so you're, I, I noticed uh, you know the Monica sent me a, a little bit of information about you. She mentioned that you lead tasting events that are going on and you created the Vintage Conservatory Wine School Circulum. Well, what is uh, what is that all about? Uh, the tasting events in your Vintage Conservatory Wine School Circulum. Uh, tell us about those. Well, just before I dive into that, Ron, I want to say you are never too young or too old <laughs> to go and take a flight lesson. So if you if you just hear me out for a second, there's a lot of small aerodromes and flight schools will have something called an introductory flight. And I hope anyone who's listening who's ever wanted to say, you know what, just for fun once, I'd like to try flying a plane. You can do something called an introductory flight. Pretty much every flight school at your local flight school across the nation, Canada or U.S., would do it. something called an introductory flight. It's a modest fee. You go up for 30 minutes to one hour, and you actually get a chance to put your hands on the control of a little Cessna, a little two-seater or four-seater, and you actually get to try flying. And, and people ask me all the time, should I be a pilot? And I'll say, go and do an introductory flight, and you'll know right then and there if that's for you or, for, or not. Huh. Well, then I will have to check with the local, because we have a lot of small fields down here and, and you know all over the place, so... I'll have to check that out. Thank you. I did this something that might satisfy uh, uh, one of the lines on my bucket list. So thank you. Yeah. Life, life is short, Ron. Treat yourself. That's my motto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hear that, um, Mike? You can be a pilot. You don't have to be, do what you're doing. I took the course back in uh, 81, no, 82, right out of high school. I took the course. I did a discovery flight with Cessna. And we got up in a little, I think it was a 150 or a, is it a 150 or a 172? I forgot. The, the 172 is like a middle range deal, but uh, we flew around. We took it through the pre-flight and uh, did all that stuff. It was, and I was hooked. I was like, uh, I got to go through this. So uh, yeah, 82, I took the course, but haven't really flown since. Uh, oh. <laughs> there you go. Well, Mike, wow. I think it's time for you to do a second introductory flight. <laughs> yeah, but back then the course was like twenty five hundred bucks. Now it's what ninety five hundred or something for the course. Yeah, I will be honest. Flying, I mean, flying like wine. I guess you could say I have expensive taste. They're not the most affordable hobbies to have. You know, expensive wine can get very expensive, and flying is certainly not inexpensive. It's it's an expensive hobby to have. Like people who fly for fun, I I, I ask them. What do you do for a living? Like I fly because it pays my bills, but you fly for fun. That must be, that must be nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. You see these uh, let, neighborhoods. Let guys... Sorry, Ron. Go ahead. No, I just think you see these neighborhoods where people have their their planes uh, next to their house in the garage and the private fields, and you're going, oh my gosh, you know they must be you know, uh, bank robbers or independently wealthy or a lawyer. I mean, you just can't imagine how they can afford all that. Yeah. Lawyers and doctors usually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I assure you, mo most pilots don't have their own airplane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, 
So you were going to say? Yes. So the Vintage Conservatory is a private member's wine club, and that's where I got my start in uh, the wine business. Um, So it's a private member's wine club. You pay a monthly fee to store your wine in a temperature-controlled locker, and then you also get access to, like, yeah, then you also get access to, like, the public lounge area. Not, it's not public, it's private, but the, you know, space for all members to hang out. There's some couches, there's a TV, and it's like a private little, you know, un, it's literally underground. You go down some stairs. It's like a private <laughs> member's club. It's it's really cool, and it's located ah. right downtown Toronto. How many members do you have? Um, so I, I, uh, I just like to clarify, I worked at the Vintage Conservatory for about a year. Uh, I didn't start it, but what I did start was within the Vintage Conservatory because it's a private member's wine club, and it's mostly Bay Street. By the way, for um, those who are not Canadian, Bay Street is Wall Street, uh, except in Toronto because we have, of course, oh, all of our big banks. Oh. Yeah, all of our big banks are in Toronto. So when whenever we hear Wall Street, the Canadian equivalent is Bay Street, and all the mm. members are Bay Street finance, law, doctors, Ooh. surgeons. Like so, they're you know they're they're professional people. It's kind of a professional place, and it's a it's a private place where you can take your tie off, uh, show up in jeans if you want to. It's a little more of a private, casual space where you can relax. You you know you close the deal at the restaurant, then you go to your private member's wine club and you take the tie off. You go, now I can relax and grab a good bottle for my locker. Oh, that sounds great. That really does. The uh, uh, story of the lockers you have there, and I understand this because you see them at certain places and all that, uh, they're big enough to hold how much? So they vary in size. And by the way, the lockers themselves are not temperature controlled. The whole place oh, is split up into two. It, it's, it's like, well, they are temperature controlled, but not individually. So uh-huh. like two thirds of the club is the lounge area and one third is the whole temperature controlled room. And then you go through the door into the temperature controlled room. And then there's just a bunch of lockers within this cool, uh, you know, humid room. Um, the lockers can hold anywhere from, I believe, 100 bottles and up. There's some lockers that are pretty big. I, I don't know wow. how big, but several hundred. Yeah. Wow. So, is, you know, wow, um, you mentioned locker. I'm thinking of this little thing that you put in. You maybe have, you know, two cases worth in there. So, wow, hundreds. That's, that surprised me. I didn't expect them that big. Yeah. And, and what's cool is literally, uh, no pun intended, but the whole room is cool. Yeah, 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 and that would, you know, temperature controlled for the wines all the time. Now, do these uh, members bring in some very expensive wines, or is it just sort of mediocre and they save the expensive ones for special occasions? I'm just, I'm curious about how they're, what they're doing here. It's so. They don't sell alcohol. So how it works is it's a it's a social club where members bring their own alcohol and open their own alcohol. So it's not like it, there's it, the the place doesn't sell any alcohol. Uh-huh. Um, it's tw- but that's the benefit is is because they don't sell alcohol. It's it's there's no time. You know it's it's like going to the office at three in the morning because you have a deadline to meet. There's no there's no uh, it's a twenty four seven club. So you can go there oh. at two in the morning if you wanted to, because you have to remember it doesn't, it doesn't sell alcohol. So it doesn't have to abide by the same um, right. kind of rules per se. 
Um, but in regards to the wine quality, I mean, some members would drink some inexpensive, you know, fourteen ninety five, nineteen ninety five Chianti on like a Tuesday just because they're popping in. Maybe they're going to have a bite. Maybe they're going to have a glass, and they're just they're just coming to relax. And then of course, other times, I've done a few private dinners there where I did, uh, you know, some Grand Cru Burgundy, Grand Cru Pinot Noir, um, wow. you know, some first growth Bordeaux, Dom Perignon, good vintages. Um, I've definitely seen some incredible bottles of wine popped and to be fortunate enough to have, and because it's not at a restaurant, you have to remember, this is what I love about private clubs, you know, private wine clubs versus a high-end restaurant. Um, At a high-end restaurant, a sommelier doesn't normally get to taste these wines, but because it's a private club, people get to know you, I get to know people. Mm -hmm. and, and, And it allows to say, you know what, Ryan, you were great tonight. There's a little bit of this left, a little bit of that left. Have a little, have a little sip, have a little glass. You know, enjoy <laughs> yourself uh, tonight. Oh my gosh! Um, and, I, and I'll be honest, Ron, not to, to rub this little story in, but there was about a mouthful of Grand Cru Burgundy Chardonnay left, and I said, you know what? No one's looking. Everyone left. It's in the bottle. And I said, I just, just for fun. I'm not even going to pour this into a glass. I drank it right out of the bottle. Right from the <laughs> Right from the bottle. Because I said, if I'm going to taste a $500 bottle of Grand Cru uh, Chardonnay, I, I wanna, I'm just going to go right from the bottle. <laughs> you don't, don't want to contaminate it by pouring it into a glass. <laughs> no. I mean, I wouldn't have done that in front of a guest, of course. But uh, oh, yeah. I was like, look, you know, life is short. I just kind of went for it. <laughs> So did it live up to the expectations? Honestly, no. No, it didn't. No. Uh, it was good. It was delightful. Yeah. But if I were to have spent over $500 of, on this bottle of wine, I would have been uh, a little underwhelmed. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, that's 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 sad. <laughs> it really is. So, um, well, without... Maybe it's because you drank it right from the bottle. (laughs) (laughs) I I won't deny that that is a possibility. I mean. Yeah. 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 Well, so the, so you're, you're the sommelier there at at the Vinci's Conservatory. And. Well, I did some, I actually, uh, I I left there um, probably in 20, I left there in 2020 um, to kind of go and start my own business. Um, So I'm no longer at the Vintage Conservatory, but I got my start there. uh, And just to add to that wine school comment, I started the wine school within the Vintage Conservatory for its members. So basically these members are, like I said, Wall Street type, Bay Street type, et cetera, you know, professional, successful people in a variety of fields. And they have, you know, decent pockets. But, you know, I think there was some wine knowledge lacking. And mm-hmm. not in a bad way, but in like a, I think people, they're like, I have money. I want to, I want to drink good wine. Can someone please help me? You know, how, how do I know what good wine is? Not just from the price, but like producer, vintage, what does that all mean? And so mm-hmm. I got together with the owner and we built a 10 class kind of wines. I called it the Vintage Conservatory Wine School. And we go around the world in 10 classes. Uh, the first oh. class is learn how to taste wine like a sommelier. And then we do wines of France, wines of Italy, you know, and kind of work our way around the world. And we finish with Canadian wine. Uh, the last uh-huh. class is all Canadian wine. Oh, very good. And it, 
just curious, who purchases these, or is that coming out of the cost of the of the uh, the school? Um, it's it's um, the members would end up purchasing the wines, or, or some members would, truth be told, uh, bring some wines. We would talk, we would pick a region, and then some we'd say Bordeaux, and then some members would bring Bordeaux, and we'd taste through oh. that. And it was kind of a blend of both. I mean, it was definitely a private um, thing. It was not open to the general public. Um, so it wasn't the most profitable per se, but it was really enjoyable. I really, really I love. I love te- I love talking about wine. Obviously, you do. I like teaching people wine because you see that light bulb go off and explodes, <laughs> and it just feels great. It feels great. It does, yeah. And then, you know, or just any aspect of it, you, you start explaining something to somebody about what they're looking for in and an aroma, and all of a sudden they pick up the glass and swirl it, and they go, there it is. I, I really do smell it. And it just it's in, always fun to see stuff like that happen. So I understand what you're saying there fully. Um, so you left to start up your own business. What What is it? What is What are you doing with that? What is it called, all that? So my business is, uh, you know, truth be told, I just called my business what my um, what I kind of brand myself as. So my, my website is www.theflyingsom.ca. And um, I've done, I've never really worked in an actual restaurant as a sommelier. I, I really do like the more private aspect. There's, there's kind of two reasons. One, I can only work part-time in the wine industry. You know, I do have a full-time yeah. career. So no restaurant wants to hire a once-a-week a once a sommelier. Like, it's just not really feasible. Right. Um, so I've, I've never had the opportunity, truth be told, to really wet my feet in the kind of restaurant world. But I feel the private dining, private wine club um, experience is certainly something that I am interested um, in because it allows me to say, you know what, I can do that one-off private dinner, that one-off private birthday party, et cetera. Um, so mm-hmm. I've done a wine list at a local restaurant in Toronto called Mangia Bevi, a local Italian restaurant. The owner's Eleonora. I love her to death. She's amazing. She's this feisty Italian woman who is just feisty as I am. And uh, we, I, I did her wine list, and, we, and it was a great time, great time. Amazing food. Like I said, I, I, I really do have a thing for Italian wine and Italian food. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's starting to manifest itself into your your new job, too. That's great that you can work it into that instead of having to seek it other ways. Uh, the uh, So this is a, a private restaurant, uh, a appointment-only restaurant? I'm confused of how this yeah. is working. Sorry, sorry. I kind of went on a tangent there. Um, oh, no, no that's, this that's is a public fine. I, I am glad you did. I, it's it's always always nice to hear someone talk so fluently about their passion, and, and you did, and I, I enjoy that. So, but, you know, just jumping back on the question, what type of restaurant besides Italian? Is it a private restaurant? People make reservations and... So, so Mangia Bevy is a public restaurant. Um, ah. So I did the wine list there, and I did the opening night. Uh, I saw them there the opening night uh, when I did my – that was my first wine list, by the way, so I was so proud to stamp <laughs> my little stamp my little flying some, you know, on, on a piece of Toronto dining. 
and uh, T.O. Dine T.O. And it felt, I felt really proud. It's a local restaurant. It's not super high end, high quality food, authentic quality food, but not with the white tablecloth. It is not a fancy schmancy place. Um, mm-hmm. It's a public restaurant, but uh, I love it because I got to do the wine list. I, me and my partner eat there regularly, um, but, but it's great because I don't have to work there because <laughs> I'm lazy and I don't, I don't really have time to, <laughs> to spend, you know, multiple nights a week. So it, it works for her because she gets a wine list that's done properly. And it works for me because I get to, you know, kind of charge a one-time fee for a little small, small business endeavor. And then I can go on my way to the next, next uh, challenge, you know, the next uh-huh. opportunity. So what are you, well, not to put you on the spot, and please, you know, I, I don't try to get a gotcha questions on these shows, but what are you looking at doing with your SOM certification? So what, I, what I've been doing all of 2020 was virtual wine tastings, and I really focus on the um, bespoke, higher-end private dining aspect. So there's certain sommeliers in the city of Toronto that will, for instance, uh, no harm, no foul. There's different price points. I'll be honest, I charge a bit of a premium for my services, but I pour a premium wine. I provide a premium service, and I, I think I charge appropriately. I think I charge fairly and competitively, but I won't deny I'm definitely not the, the, the most affordable but I also don't pour $8 Pinot Grigio or, you know, Moscato d'Asti. I pour high-quality <laughs> wines for clients who want to learn about wine. And I'm not afraid to admit that. And there's nothing wrong with sommeliers who want to pour an $8 Pinot Grigio for a wine tasting. But I tell my clients, I won't do that. But I'll gladly recommend a sommelier who might. Uh-huh. So you, you've got this Vinci's Conservatory in your blood and you – enjoy this so much you pursue it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I like running my own business. There's, there's, because you have to remember when I fly as an airline pilot, the amount of pressure and rules and regulations and procedures and checklists. I mean, it's, it's my profession. It's my lifelong career. It's what I do, but it can be very stressful at times. Rightfully. Imagine. Yeah, like wine is wine is a place for me to explore, to have fun, to actually guess what? Not take everything so seriously. Um, and so I like working for myself, running my own business because I get to say if I can do an event, yes or no. You know, it's it's kind of nice to to just to be able to say I can't do your dinner on Thursday because I, I'm going to be flying or I have something else. Um, and I, I basically, um, it's like running your own business has been a new fun adventure for me. Uh, I really, really enjoy it. But I have partnered with, um, there's a new wine club opening, Curatus Wine Club, that I'll be doing some work out there, which is a, a basically a, a brand new private members wine club. So I'll pop in there and do some private dinners here and there. Um, but I really like focusing on uh, my private um, uh, dinner. So basically clients will call me and um, uh, they'll say, Ryan, we want to do a virtual tasting for 20 of our top clients. And I basically coordinate wine and food to be delivered right to the front door of each mm-hmm. client as well as the oh. host. And then we log into Zoom or Cisco WebEx or whatever digital platform. And then I provide a educational, interactive, and fun wine tasting. So I do like to dive in 
and provide some education. It's not just about this white goes with fish, this red goes with with meat. There is some education. But I also have to remember, too, these are clients and these are clients, um, clients, clients. So they really just want to show that they're putting some engaging, you know, uh, an engaging experience to try to keep us connected during, of course, this pandemic. Um, so uh, it's, it's just finding that right balance between education and, and honestly just having a bit of fun. It's just one, you know. Oh, it, it, it would be a lot of fun. How many you say that you've gathered up, well, not a whole lot of groups because of the pandemic, but how many are in the virtual meal and tasting? How many people are usually participating in this? Yeah, usually, I mean, I would say on average maybe about 20, 20 or so. Wow. Um, yeah, I've, I've done a few tastings where there has been like 40 or 50 people. Wow. But again, I really like, and this is not a webinar, this is a Zoom call, so people can verbally ask questions, they can, you know, I can see them, they can see me, this is not a webinar, because I don't want to provide university-style wine education. I want to keep it educational, interactive, and fun, and people say, you know, how many people would be ideal, and honestly, Ron, 25 people or less can really make it an, a great experience. The moment you start yeah. getting too too big of a group, it, it's hard to be it's hard to be personal, right? And you're the time gets away from you when you have that many people. And I know I used to conduct classes when I had the winery, and I always enjoyed it when I had like twelve, maybe fifteen people in the group, and I had some classes that I taught that had forty people. And it's just like, you know, everybody asks one question and you immediately lost track of what you're trying to convey and you have to cut out something. Else. And I understand that fully. It's just, you know, when you get the ideal size, it just seems to flow much better. It, it yeah, would seem- I won't. I won't. Sorry, go ahead. Go. No, go right ahead. Well, I was just going to say, not only. Do- like I want my brand, the Flying Psalm, to stand for uh, professionalism and quality, but also fun and interactive. And I, I really put a high standard on um, what I provide because I charge appropriately, but I also deliver appropriately as well. And there you go. even though I do charge on a per-person basis, by the way, so it would be much more profitable for me to do a 100-person tasting. Uh, Ron, oh. I'd, I'd be wealthy enough to own my own airplane. There you go. And, <laughs> but you know. I, my, I would suffer, though. You know, my brand and the quality of education would suffer. Um, so to me, it's all about quality, not quantity. And look, if I have to do three tastings to make up the same money as one big one, I'd rather do that. I'd rather do it yeah. now. And that makes perfect sense. And you know, good for you. I, I agree. I mean, if you want that quality in there. Talk me through a typical dinner, what you do. And I, I don't want you know specific details, but what do you say? Okay, this is our salad. You should be having you know a Pinot Grigio with it or something like that. How do you <laughs> <laughs> how do you go through the meal? Okay, well, first of all, Ron, I have a strong no Pinot Grigio policy, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not afraid to tell people that either. <laughs> Um, it's like I have ten commandments, and one of them one of them is Thou shalt not drink Pinot Grigio as the house white wine. 
That's funny. <laughs> um, but so let's let's say for instance, so Curitas Wine Club is a new wine club that's going to be opening up uh, sometime this spring, I imagine. So let's say there's a group of ten people doing a private dinner, and they reach out to me and say, Ryan, we want you to come in and kind of psalm for the evening. But it's not just psalming; it's a blend of the clients having a good time first of all because they're there to have a good time it's a friday night right. um, it's yeah. usually a multi-course you know uh, there's probably a, a, a starter or two a main course or two and then a dessert so you're probably having at least four or five different wines i imagine um you know like an entry wine to start i usually like to start the dinner off with a nice cava or prosecco or champagne of course it all depends oh. on the client's budget um, right. bubbles to start always uh life you know Life is always better with a bottle of bubbles. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, bubbles are good any time. I keep telling all my listeners, don't just save it for special occasions. When you sit down and going to watch a whole evening of uh, an episode you missed, then pull out the bubbles. It's good any time, so... Yeah, life. You know, 2020 taught us life is short. You know, if if you can yeah. drink a bottle of bubbles, if you can afford to, do it. You know, treat yourself. Yeah, um, but yeah, start off with a nice bottle of bubbles. Allow the the guests to interact. Let's say it's a group of ten. Of course, some of them haven't seen each other in a while. They really just want to drink and catch up. Then after mm-hmm. about fifteen twenty minutes, okay, uh, everyone's kind of caught up. Basically, the champagne is now empty. Uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to start our kind of welcome first course appetizer. So everyone kind of takes their seats. Usually I provide a nice warm welcome, who I am, kind of some of the wines we'll be talking about tonight. And, um, you know, I'll usually let the host say a few words, you know, thank you to our uh, our clients or our friends for this birthday or whatever the occasion is. The host always likes to thank everyone for kind of getting together. And oh, yeah. then uh, usually... Usually we get the first course to come out, and uh, uh, I'll I'll talk about actually just prior to each course coming out. I usually talk like to talk about the wine for about five minutes. So I'll pour everyone the first uh, wine, usually a white wine like a nice Sancerre or a nice Chablis or something kind of light to go with a nice fresh appetizer, you know, like a nice seared scallop or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just talk a little bit about you know this is a, a Chardonnay from the region of Chablis. It's unoaked, it's fresh, it's crisp, it's delicious. Um, you know, like put it in your mouth, you'll just say it's amazing. And uh, we just talk a little bit about that. And then and then I basically leave the room, let the guests have the wine, let them catch up. They don't want to hear me ramble uh, for, for 45 minutes on Chablis. They want the five-minute no. pitch or less, you know, maybe a minute or two. And then it's kind of let the guests have fun. They really just want to have a good time. Do you open up each each wine after you've described it to questions? Yeah, yeah. I usually like to give about a two or three minute spiel on the wine, and then any questions on the wine, uh-huh. uh, perfect. Okay. And then I just leave the room and and let them. Truth be told, oh. I usually pour myself a little little mouthful because I'm of a formal year. I have to practice. I have to practice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and um, and then we'll go into the same thing. Then we'll go into like um you know like maybe a Barbera and like a you know, um, a beef carpaccio dish, you know, perfect, perfect kind of medium bodied red from Piemonte, which I know you love. And then yes, we'll get I into do. like your heavier main, maybe like a nice, uh, you know, flank steak or lamb, or maybe like a nice, um, bistecca alla Fiorentina, or maybe even like a rich ragu. And of course we'd pair it then with a, with an appropriate red, like a Brunello, Barolo, 
maybe a super Tuscan. And then we're kind of getting into, uh, you know, like a nice dessert wine, like a Tokai from Hungary, mm. or maybe maybe um, an ice wine from Niagara, or like a Sauterne from Bordeaux. Um, and then we just kind of round it out with, you know, any questions about the wines or the meal. And, you know, I hope everyone had a good time. And uh, so it's kind of a blend of education meets um, just people dining together at a private club. It feels special. You know, it's it's not yeah. like going to a restaurant. There's there's not people to, you know, and to be fair, like I have served some high profile people at, at uh, the Vintage Conservatory in the past. And I'm hoping to serve some high-profile people at the upcoming Curitas Wine Club in downtown Toronto. And these people, this this is why they go to a private club. It's because they won't be photographed. There won't be. There's no price list, by the way. There's everything is tailored. So this meal is tailored, you know, two weeks in advance. Um, the wines selected. Oh, like you walk in, and and there's like a wine list, and there's because remember they don't serve wine. It's the members bring their own wine. So I'll usually work with the uh-huh. member to say, hey, like, this is the menu. Here are some wines. And then they'd kind of say, well, I've got some vintage Bordeaux. And I go, oh, that's a little heavy. Do you have any, you know, Barbera? And they go like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, perfect. Let's drink the Barbera with this dish versus, you know, uh, something from Pouillac in Bordeaux. A little, a little too heavy, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, but it, I just kind of work with, with clients. And, and then I usually just charge one set fee uh, for my time, and uh, I always use, I always usually leave with a glass of wine or two in my belly, and that's that's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you, you mention all this fantastic food? Do you have a certain chef that you recommend, or uh, do you have one that you always call on to come in? How do you work with your chef? So that's an excellent question. If I'm doing it, like when I did it at the Vintage Conservatory or when I'm going to do it at the upcoming Curitas Wine Club, there is a designated chef in-house. And Mm -hmm. I would just work with the chef and say, you know, uh, what is the budget? What's the meal? What do they want? And then we would just kind of pick the wines off of that. Like, because the client usually has a particular set of of meal ideas you know they're they're saying we want to do like a seafood and bubbles theme evening or we want to do you know napa cab and you know board napa versus bordeaux so a lot of red meat um and you just kind of tailor it uh, accordingly but if i do dinners in-house so obviously i'm not doing dining now in person but i've done right. a few a few private dinners you know at people's homes you know these tend to be more wealthy individuals with I pull up in the driveway going, my car, my Mazda does not look appropriate to be parked in this driveway. Um, yeah, the beautiful, tell, beautiful tell, home. Tell them to park yeah. it in the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Park it in the back. You're bringing the real estate down. Um, but really, really, really nice people. And um, I usually like to just provide, uh, you know, like I said, a fun, educational, interactive experience. So in the past, some people have actually brought in their own chef to do uh, a dinner. And other times I work with catering companies. One of the one of them I work with now is uh, Daniel at Daniel. It's this uh, fabulous catering company in Toronto. They will whip up anything you can think of. From I'm talking caviar crusted scallops to <laughs> beef tenderloin and a pinot noir jus. Like if you can think of it, they will make it happen. And then truth be told, how we'll do it moving forward is I'll just simply have the food delivered uh, separately, and then I'll show up with the wine. And then uh, we'll just get get going and have some fun. Wow, 
Oh, that sounds sounds like a great idea and a great project you're getting yourself involved with here. Um, you obviously have to limit yourself on what nights and what days, uh, well, weekends, since you're off on weekends. But uh, it sounds like something that uh, you can really get quite involved with here over, over time. Oh. Yeah, like, and, and that's kind of my, you know, um, it's kind of the, the blessing and the curse because believe it or not, I'd also like to have some spare time just to do what I want to do and not, <laughs> not constantly be working. Not allowed. Um, not allowed. I'm sorry. Not allowed. You must, you must pour Grand Cru Burgundy. That's right. Um, but you and know, I, I, I charge and sip a little for myself, but I charge <laughs> appropriately and uh, I make it worth my time. Um, but I also make sure the service is worth the client's time. And I'll be honest, uh, you know, I encourage anyone listening to, you know, if they're interested, check out my services, theflyingsom.ca. But I have a reference page, and I'll leave it at this. Uh, I won't say another word. If you'd like to hear what people have to say, it's all there. Uh, these are personal, personal reviews, and uh, I think my reference page speaks for itself. And I think, uh, I think my pricing is competitive and fair, but I'll be honest. It's a premium service, um, and I, I charge appropriately. Yeah, very good. It's, it sounds sounds like you're doing quite well for yourself, and you're very happy with what you're doing. Uh, and what more can you ask in life but to be happy and enjoy what you do? People search their entire life to find the job, and it seems like you found two of them at the same time. So that's excellent. Mike, do you have any questions yeah, for Ryan? I just oh. want to say, uh, Ron, I'm sipping... I'm sipping a uh, Pinot Noir and talking to you about wine. So trust me, I'm not complaining. Life, life is okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, life, life is good. I just got a. Uh, actually, I don't have a bottle of wine open tonight for some reason. Uh, I'm just sipping wow. on water. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to, but I said, you know what? What the heck? You know, I'm gonna have a glass. Yeah. Hey. There's always always room for wine. That's you know that the long you remember that life deserves wine, and simple as that. So, Mike, do you have any questions for Ryan? Or any comments? I I don't. I was uh, looking at the website, and you covered uh, pretty much uh, what I was going to ask already. Uh, um, very interesting discussion for sure. We did have uh, someone peek into the chat on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Green Beasley. Jumped into chat real quick and said, uh, <laughs> "Costco wine six dollars a bottle." <laughs> and uh, I, I said, "Wow, I never tried it. Have you? Is it good?" And they disconnected, so I never got the answer there. <laughs> Costco wine. A, there you go. Six dollars. There you go. Six dollars a bottle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's what we have. <laughs> it's it's a the six dollars a bottle of Costco. It's a gateway wine. Eventually, they will start spending a little bit more, and before you know it, they'll be buying forty, fifty dollar bottles and having it with their. Uh, if that you know. what if that is what it does, maybe maybe that's a good thing. But uh, I yeah. saw that and I go, wow, six dollars a bottle. Ooh. Okay. Um, I, th- I think it's six dollars a bottle. I think I'm drinking beer or vodka at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By then, yeah. You know, some vodka or some, yeah. some good uh, it has, 
It has wine on the label and with a little question mark afterwards. Wine? Wine? Maybe. Wine, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Put the question mark after everything. Enjoy. Hangover? Yeah. got a response to know if it was good or not but i just they disconnected unfortunately sorry about that but uh yeah, i would love to hear about probably, it did you actually tell me or, um, probably all <laughs> three of the six dollar bottle of wine that's why they didn't respond yeah. yeah well they put it in a quart bottle and cleaned the oven off or something with it i don't know but um <laughs> that's very interesting though. That was, that's, uh, that's great and uh i noticed on your uh, website you have other um other services like seller management. I don't remember. Uh, we didn't talk. Or no, did we talk, uh, I don't know on that, but I, I noticed that as, as one of the services as well. Um, what are you doing with the seller management? So um, again, all, everything I do is I kind of say I do everything but some at a restaurant and that would be right. my business. So um, for instance, I have some clients in, um, they're, they live in a, you know, they have a large home and they're somewhat wealthy or well off um, and they are building a wine cellar. Now, I am not consulting on the construction of the wine cellar because obviously that's not uh, what I know anything about. But what they did provide is they sent me the blueprints of everything and I actually tweaked it. Um, not not physically. I just said you might want to ask the, the builder, the architect to tweak certain things to for instance, they had a lot of wine uh, vertical for purpose of showcasing. That's what the architect was, was implying. And I'm telling, of course, Ron and Mike, I'm sure you know, but wine should be aged horizontally so the cork stays moist. You don't right. want that cork to dry out. So they actually tweaked it, and I got them to take away their uh, vertical um, storage for some show-off bottles, only because I told the client, if you have any wine worth showing off, the last thing you want to do is store it vertically. And if you do have wine that you, you know, if you have wine that you feel comfortable storing vertically, do you really want to show that bottle off? You know, that's like a Tuesday wine. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of just consult. I do, uh, I, like I said, I did the wine list at the local restaurant. Uh, basically what I tell people is if, if it involves wine other than making it, um, I'm sure I can help you out in some way. So I, I like to focus on private dinners, wine education, corporate i really focus on the corporate crowd right now for the virtual events i've done some uh virtual tastings for uh financial firms here in canada and i really enjoy corporate tastings versus private like i don't really do birthday party for four i really focus more on kind of 20 to 30 you know corporate style professional tastings um but once pandemic's over yeah like i i'd like to go back in and do um, some private seller management. So for instance, if a, again, a client has a large seller and they say, Ryan, I have X amount of money. Can, you know, here's my, here's what I like. I like big, bold reds and fresh, crisp white. Can you bring me the world of wine within this budget? And I just take, of course, a portion uh, for my time as my fee. And I, I fill that seller according to each single client. Uh, and their taste profile. So I have a little questionnaire. I figure out what they like. I figure out what they are comfortable sipping on a price per bottle basis. 
And there's nothing wrong with having, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday wine. And then there's, I think you should also have some, you know, anniversary wine. It's all about finding that balance. Oh, yeah. Very good. Uh, I noticed you mentioned the private clubs and, well, like the one, you know, the Vintage Conservatory and the ones that you said you set up. Is there a lot of those in Toronto? There, I think there was about maybe four or five of them. Um, truth be told, we'll see how this pandemic impacts, if that's going to change the number or not, because um, it's been pretty devastating, of course, for that whole industry. Any, any, anything in person has been devastated. Yes. Um, but not, not too many, about four or five. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just, I've never, well, maybe because I don't run in that circle, but I've never heard of it. And then, you know, you started mentioning a couple, three of them, and I'm going, whoa, that is something that I've, it's new to me. I didn't know about it. Uh, and personal question, where were you born? I was born in Toronto, born and raised on the playground was where I spent most of my days. Uh-huh. Okay. So I, I was just wondering, I just, you, you did not show your heritage until you pronounced about a couple of times for us. And... <laughs> You're going to give me a hard time about that, aren't you? No, no. I mean, just, just mentioning it was plenty. <laughs> but uh, that's why I asked where you were born. Cause I, you know, if if just... you'd like, I can bring I can bring up maple syrup into a food pairing if you'd like. <laughs> uh, just, just enough. We... <laughs> so, uh not not to pick on you, it's just it, it was cute. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else you'd like to like to mention? Bring up uh, something uh, something we didn't talk about that you would like to pass on to the listeners. Ron, I would love to just finish and say, I mean, I this is this is really what it comes down to. Again, I'm speaking as my own personal uh, opinion, I guess, and as a sommelier, is my philosophy is what grows together goes together. And when I say I have this Ten Commandments of thou shall not drink Pinot Grigio, it's because all the time you go into a restaurant and say I'll have the house white, and it's some cheap, inexpensive, garbage Pinot Grigio that probably costs $5 a bottle or less. And the problem is, is people have, I'm like, have some self-respect and try something new. And in 2020 has taught us to kind of get out of our comfort zone and try something new. So next time you're at a restaurant, you know, if you've never been to a Greek restaurant, go to a Greek restaurant, not only have Greek food, but try it with Greek wine. The Greek wine, yeah. If if you've never been to a French restaurant, why don't you say, you know what, I'm going to try a French restaurant and I'm going to try French wine. Typically, I like Italian, but I'm going to try something new. If your listeners can leave this, you know, one-hour conversation and say, at least I'm going to try a new wine I've never had before, that would literally make me the happiest person today. Just knowing (laughs) one person is going to try something new. And for love of God, no Pinot Grigio. There would be people coming haunting you because of saying that. <laughs> well, yeah. So be it. 
Yeah, Pinot Grigios. You know, there's Pinot Grigios out there that just taste like flavored water. So I understand your your commandment on that. (laughs) So um, I'm sure there are the the matching of food and wine is so fascinating. If you try to present flavor profiles of certain foods and certain wines, I think it will amaze people how well it complements each of them. Uh, you can have a bottle of, of well, Barbera. Let's go back to that, my, my default there. But you can have a bottle of Barbera by itself, and you can have yourself a, uh, uh, oh, I don't know, I mentioned lasagna earlier i'll say that again a nice lasagna by itself and they both will taste great but then when you pair them together you're creating something completely different for both of them that is just so fascinating that you seek it out every time so when you start matching up stuff like that it it creates a whole new outlook and a whole new world of wine and food yeah, like, I mean, I I don't know what the opinion of my fellow sommeliers would be, but I think the star of a restaurant is the food. I mean, if the food sucks, your restaurant will fold. If oh, the food yeah. is amazing, people will be lining up at the door. But as a, the role of a, of a sommelier, you know, be it in my private dining experiences or, of course, if you're at a restaurant, in my opinion – a bottle of wine can take an amazing meal. And I mean like an amazing meal. You know, it's your anniversary, it's your birthday, you go to your favorite steakhouse or whatever cuisine you love. Go to your favorite place, you pick your favorite dish, and you're like, this is an amazing meal. But you have it with the properly served wine, properly paired wine, and I think it can elevate that experience to almost a heavenly experience. Oh, You know, wine's with- been around for thousands of years. It, it, it elevates a meal, in my opinion, to an almost angelic level, uh, not mm-hmm. to be too too modest. But it's, you know, you leave, you know, out, at the end of the day, too, out, the alcohol in the wine leaves you with a feeling of euphoria, of happiness, of smiles and joy. And I think to have a full belly and a full soul is like, how could you not be happy after an amazing meal out? That's right. That's absolutely right, and that's I agree one hundred percent that's and so people you know take Ryan's suggestion, jump into an Italian restaurant, a French restaurant uh you know spanish uh, there's all sorts of different restaurants out there, and have the wines with the food. Don't jump up and get your standard grigio. try something that would complement it so. So, and, and honestly, uh, Ron, if, pe- if people don't know, just just tell them to ask. What would what do you think would go well with this dish? And I assure you, anyone in the service industry, be it a sommelier or, or a server, would be more than happy to be like, well, actually, this Spanish red would go well with this Spanish dish. And you say, and all I would love guests to do is just say, sure, I'll give that a try. I'll that, give it a try. Simple as that. <laughs> and uh, so, and and. and I just I have to say this because I've had other people that's been on the program say it before. An Italian restaurant is not Olive Garden. <laughs> oh wow. Um, the fact that yeah, I'm not gonna even acknowledge that statement. Yeah. The, the, 
The Olive Garden is not Italian. I will say it. I will say it again. Yeah. That's what I say too. Like this, it's very easy to get caught up. It's it's easy to get caught up in the the big chains because we know them. We're comfortable. They've got the house Pinot Grigio and the free breadsticks, and I'm like. Find a local Italian restaurant or local Greek or Thai or any local restaurant. Try a new restaurant. Try a new dish. Try a new wine. You might be surprised at how much you and, – and then, you, then you'll probably say, I can't believe I've been drinking Pinot Grigio for the past 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's very true. So, <laughs> well, Ryan, thank you so very much for taking time out and joining us this evening. Uh, for those out there who want to check it out, what is it? Just simply uh, the flying song dot uh, ca is it? Dot ca and Ron, I really appreciate you having me on tonight. It's it's, uh, it's been fun. I had a glass of wine and a good laugh. It's been great. Yeah, I, and, and it was enjoyable having you on. Uh, hopefully, people will pick up something from. If nothing else, try new restaurants and try the wines with them, and. Check out his website, and if you enjoyed the show, and since you can't call in to him, drop him a line on the website and tell him that you heard him on us and that you enjoyed it. And I'm sure if you have any questions or something that comes to mind, ask him. I'm sure that between his flying all over the Northeast and, you know, North America and being a sommelier for all sorts of different things, he'll have time to return an answer to you. So it'll be my pleasure, Ron. <laughs> okay. Thank you again, Ryan. Have yourself a very good evening and uh best of luck to you in your adventures and your uh future. Thanks Thank so you. much guys. Have a good night. <laughs> you too. Thank you, you too. Thank you. All right. That was fun. Very knowledgeable. I like that. They did just really well, he's a sommelier. He better be knowledgeable. But his ventures, <laughs> his his uh things that he's doing there, that's really quite ambitious, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Doing all that um, stuff. So Yeah, that's good though. That's all Yeah. Yeah. Clientele, you know, maybe his clientele uh, doesn't you know they don't have a, a big opportunity to to have that kind of um, uh, tasting experience. I think uh, you know right. the uh, depending on who who he, like you said doctors and stuff. But there there could be uh, you know others out there that you know just don't want to uh, to go out to someplace like that. And he can do it virtually and and corporate. Um, oh, what a, what an excellent idea for corporations to to get involved in as well and. And have a uh, you know fun time for their uh, uh, staff or or you know the executives or whoever and, and just yeah. have a good time for them as well. Um, and yeah, clients, a, you know, some interesting you know, idea. Yeah, big clients. Yeah, it's all it's all great, great idea mm-hmm. there. So uh, again, yeah. Ryan, thank you for taking your time to join us this evening. And uh, yeah, it was, good. It, it was it was uh, very interesting. So we are done with another week. Yep. Uh, next week we do have a guest, and uh, he is uh, was named winemaker of the year, and is with the Jackson Family Wines. Uh, Greg Brewer will be on January twenty eighth. 
um, and that's going to be scheduled here shortly. But uh, so tune in next week as well, next uh, Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and uh, join Ron, myself, and uh, Greg Brewer, our guest from Jackson Family Wines, and uh, that'll be a, another uh, in, entertaining and enjoyable uh, uh, interview. Uh, interview talk. <laughs> interview. Talk. Yeah. I picture a picture an interview room with a bright light on them. Tell bright me right about this now. Where were you? Yeah. Then <laughs> you can come in and be the, the nice interviewer. Well, was he treating you badly? I'll tell you why. Why don't we? <laughs> why, why don't we talk about your wine? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't do the Pinot Gris. Yeah. I was like, oh no. <laughs> we get a we get an email from the International Association of Pinot Grigio Pino. Growers or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Don't <laughs> well, we've had, we've had people. Yes, yeah, my whole life thinking being a grill. Now you're telling me I shouldn't. Oh no! <laughs> but we've had other people on that that was telling us about other wines that we should never have. So hey, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's true. So uh, <laughs> nobody's immune to uh, yeah. And that's right. <laughs> and that's true. And they say, oh, just a just a snooty song. I mean, we don't listen to it. yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we will uh, we'll be back next week and uh, oh I need to put my update here on the teleprompter not the teleprompter whatever you call that ticker thing there you go uh, yeah, thank there. you all for tuning in uh, appreciate it 7pm eastern time right here on blog talk radio facebook and twitch uh, I, I'm thinking about ditching twitch it's just not turning into anything for us but really consider that. yeah there's, there's I mean um, uh, Facebook, I think we get a lot better crowd, and then of course, uh, Blog Talk Radio. But um, yeah, Here, I get reports. People who are on Twitch, you listen to us. If mm-hmm. you want to us to continue, drop us a line. Otherwise, you know, Twitch may be <laughs> numbered days. Yeah, yeah. maybe dropped itself. So, yeah. so yeah. Uh, it's, you know, the listeners to Twitch, let us know. Yeah, it doesn't cost anything extra. It's just you know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, just another, just new. another format. Who knows? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. So thank right. you for listening we'll this week. week. Appreciate it. And yeah. again, one more time, thank you, Ryan, for joining us. And uh, you all be safe out there. Drink lots of wine, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. We'll see ya. Uh, oh, hang on. Where is the? Ah, oh, there it is. <laughs> <My first time. laughs> I've never done this before. Okay, yeah. There we go. He's in training. All about wine. All about wine on Twitter and Facebook. Listen to our website. Be a guest on this show. Visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available to download items or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash wine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. All About Wine. Perfect. There you go.
another another show in the can. Can. <laughs> <laughs> 